Welcome to OWASP 24-7, sponsored by the Open Web Application Security Project, improving the security of software. With support from the Nexus Community Project, supporting millions of open source developers worldwide, and CatScan from Proactive Risk. Hi, this is Mark Miller with OWASP 24-7. Today we're talking with prospective board members that are coming up for the election. We'd like to learn a little bit about them and about what their thoughts are for their candidacy for the board. I've got Milton Smith, Tobias Gundrum, and Tom Brennan on the line. Milton, let's start with you real quick. Uh, where are you and what chapter are you affiliated with? So uh, I am located in... Uh Northern California, just outside of the San Francisco Bay Area, and uh, my my chapter is uh, the Bay Area chapter, but uh, it's a ways away, so I don't typically hang out there. Oh, thanks, Tobias. You? So my my chapter of generation is a little bit complicated. Uh, a couple of years back, I was affiliated with the Germany chapter. Then I uh, moved to London and Hong Kong, so I was actually a member of both chapters. And uh, now I'm back in Germany, but I'm still uh, supporting uh, the Hong Kong and London chapter as I can. Thank you. And Tom, you're on the East Coast, right? Yeah, Mark. Um, so I got my start with OWASP uh, after serving with the FBI InterGuard program. I started the OWASP chapter in New Jersey in 2004, and that later became the New York City Metropolitan chapter in 2007. And now we have about 2,500 members around the world and are the largest chapter in the world. Milton, I want to start off the discussion with you with a really simple question to start, and that is, why are you running? Why did you decide to run? Well, uh, you know, I've, uh, I helped out uh, recently here with uh, uh, AppSec uh, USA and I'm reviewing some of the submissions. I work for Oracle in a fairly uh, senior security leadership role, and I've <clears throat> worked with uh, many of the other um, leads uh, outside an industry. And it just—I um, don't know—it just seemed like the the right thing to do. I don't—I don't think I'm necessarily the expert OWASH leader, um, but I—you uh, know—from uh, an organizational perspective, I guess. But I feel like I—you know—can contribute on the security front and. Uh, you know, what we should be focusing on. And so that's really what I'm, my interest in joining. Tobias, uh, to you, what's, why are you running? Well, the, this question is maybe in my, in my case twofold. Um, why did I start running two years ago? Because I'm currently on the board. And that was inspired by um, that we did some changes to the uh, OWASP committee structure, and I felt like uh, maybe our community is not well represented anymore, or not, not so much bottom up, and I really wanted to change things, so at that time I decided to run. And why am I running again? Uh, my feeling is that I'm not done yet helping OWASP to uh, further grow and uh, do more, and I think um, I particularly care a lot about our bottom-up approach, and to be open to the community. So these things inspire me a lot, and that's why I'm running again. Thank you. Tom? Yeah, so I served on the OWASP Board of Directors for seven years, and I took a term off. Um, and after seeing it through the eyes of my chapter and seeing the organization operate outside of the board, um, I see a lot of frustration with the community, 
a lot of frustration with a lot of the chaps, in particular the ones on the East Coast, uh, and I'm looking to help be their voice and represent the chappers once again. Um, I'd like to try to minimize uh, some of the red tape that's being created and get back to business, focus on projects, and actually drive accountability. Tom, there's been a very active discussion in the email threads on ring fencing finances. First of all, could you help us define what does ring fencing mean in this context? Um, well, I, I, I have to think, Mark, that I don't actually agree with a lot of the statements that are being thrown around on the email threads. Uh, when we talk about ring fencing, the way that I see your definition, or some people's definition, is funds that are allocated to a particular project. Uh, or a chapter that are allocated to them because they earned it. Uh, and then they have a bucket of money, quote unquote, that is being uh, housed or managed uh, by the local bank that manages the Lost Foundation. Uh, those funds are for the chapter or the project that earned them. Tobias Milton, are you in agreement with that definition of ring fencing? I, I would frame it slightly different. Um, there are funds that have been assigned or dedicated for certain areas, like for a specific chapter or for a specific project, and it is sometimes difficult to uh, bring them to use. Um, like maybe chapters have a lot of funds, but they are not using them, so we have actually a large amount of money in our accounts that is not brought to use for OWASP, for the OWASP mission. And uh, frankly speaking, it doesn't help us to have money in the bank. We need to put money on the road. Mark, can we stop, please, and back up to the statement that there aren't funds assigned to chapters, to be clear. Chapters in particular earn funds based on a 60-40 split, which was put in place in 2008 as an experiment. So to be clear, these chapters, organizations around the world that have taken the time to in the name of the mission of raising application security, doing their job as good stewards. They've raised membership members at a 60-40 split on a $50 membership fee, and they've also taken a percentage of any funds that were raised as it pertains to regional chapter uh, events, uh, regional meetings, uh, things that you raise funds. So just to be clear. I don't think that there's any argument, Tom, on where the funds are coming from. I think the question is the allocation of the funds. That's the, the direction I'd like to take with this. And, I mean, you've got a specific view because you do run the largest chapter. You've been extremely active as far as building your base, building your funds. And if I was in your position, I'd be protecting that too. But it seems to me that we're getting an argument from the other side that there needs to be some kind of redistribution. Well, we can talk about socialism all we can, but at the end of the day, the capitalism of the, of the different chapters doing what they can do to help their local communities, I think that needs to be recognized, not rich chapter, poor chapter, but that. If, if I may make one statement, so I, I fully appreciate that every chapter does great efforts on bringing this together. I have a slightly broader view in the, in the sense that I think we are not only single chapters, but we derive our strength from our global community. And that means we should not just focus on one chapter alone and kind of everybody does the fight on their own. I believe we should see this as a global community and share our resources across that community with our projects that we do. The projects feed back to the benefit of our chapters and the chapters feed back to the benefit with uh, ideas and, and resources to our projects. 
So I don't see us as like single pots, like as a, a group of 230 individual chapters. I see us as a global community comprised of these chapters. And I, I don't see a lot of conflict. I, I just try to inspire this global community view where we share things together as a family. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm with uh, Tobias. I think that um, we share pretty much everything that we have, and I think that we need to be... I don't think that we should be playing Robin Hood with our funds necessarily, uh, but I don't think that we should starve a chapter just because it doesn't have quite the membership of, say, the New York chapter. I, I think that, you know, the mission here is to, you know, spread security and to educate people, and I think that we need to be allocating some, some funds to do that. And I think part of that is, uh, is what we do with the chapters. Uh, I think another part of that is uh, perhaps what we do with our conferences, and uh, I think we could make some changes there, like uh, perhaps uh, you know bring conferences more to developers, which is what I've been doing with Java 1, which is Oracle's conference. Uh, by adding security to, to software developer conferences because many of these developers will uh, never get a chance to attend a security conference. And maybe I'm not suggesting that we add those things to uh, developer conferences on OWASP part, but perhaps we could, kind of like B-sides or something, maybe we could bring our conferences a little closer to mainstream dev conferences. I think there's a lot of things that we could do uh, to fulfill our mission. That's awesome, Milton. I fully agree. That's great. So I would agree with that as well. The organization currently has a $3.4 million run rate as an organization with only $551,000 earmarked for chapters and projects. There's an awful lot of money that has been not allocated and not spent at the global level to initiate programs to assist local projects and chapters getting off the ground. So I think that when we look at a... Um, a successful project or a successful chapter, that leadership that's there uh, amongst the different individuals, whether it be Texas or L.A. or California, or, you know, different areas that are, that are regional metropolitan cities, as an example, those cities, quite frankly, are always going to be successful no matter what they do. Those, the smaller chapters, the small organizations that happen to operate anywhere else in the world, um, you know, this needs to be pulled from a, an incubator. Uh, where that best practices and programs and staff are able to assist the organization's satellite chapters with additional growth. So the chapter leader handbook that I co-authored was one of those initiatives to help drive that. And if you were able to map the efforts of local chapters to the chapter handbook as an example, I think many chapters would be much more successful if they've actually tried to operate within the recommendations that have been put forth. Tom... One of the things that I'd like to cover here, too, is we're talking right now about chapters, but also projects need funding. How would you, other than sponsorship, specific sponsors toward a specific project, how would you allocate funds for projects? Yeah, no, I'm happy that you brought that up. I mean, with only $46,000 currently earmarked for projects, that's not enough. And quite frankly, with less than 150 projects that are out there, I would personally like to go ahead and do an initiative that would drive chapters, quote-unquote, to adopt projects. Where that chapters have people. People have chapters, meaning home, home chapters, and those things should be intertwined. As an example, in the New York chapter, we have seven projects, seven OWASP projects, and those projects are ultimately uh, available and funding is available to those projects 
uh, from those chapter leaders that ask for funding or need assistance. We've held summits in New York to help drive those projects uh, higher and more awareness. We've done many activities for that particular purpose. And it's actually silly for chapters not to embrace the people that are involved in projects that are in their chapters and help them be successful. So I think there's a little bit of a disconnect uh, on, on paper, but, but in reality, the same people that come to chapter meetings and participate in community news groups and mailing lists, those are your chapter members. Your chapter has a responsibility to assist with and foster those projects, as well as to have featured presentations around the OWASP projects. They go hand in hand. They're not separate. How would you, Milton, uh, allocate funds for projects based upon what Tom just said? Yeah, I, I think that we can definitely do a lot of things. I, I, well, I know one of the key issues in the past has been how do we get closer to uh, business? You know, there's a lot of money to be had there. And uh, they'd love to help us out, but how do we do it in a way doesn't, that does not uh, jeopardize our integrity? And uh, I think we should, we should explore that. I think uh, we have to be careful when we do that, but I think the upside is, uh, is significant. You know, we need our vendors. We absolutely do. I mean, they're, they're essential to, uh, to keep our applications secure. And I don't see a reason why they really can't participate as long as, um, as we can do that in a very transparent way uh, that doesn't play favorites. Tobias, you've taken a, a global view on this whole idea. Where do you stand on this? So I agree with the sense from Tom that we should give chapters the opportunity to support the projects. I very much agree with this. Um, so one of my proposals in the past has been uh, to maybe create a marketplace where uh, chapters have it very easy to donate to, to projects or to finance some project initiatives. We've seen this a couple of times in the past. Uh, we've also done this in uh, the London chapter, which I support a little bit, uh, where we donated to specific chapters, uh, specific projects that are either um, run by some of our project leaders or that have been found particularly useful by our chapter community. So this goes both ways. I think this should be a voluntary part, so the chapters should be inspired to adopt projects and should be uh, motivated to help and share their fundings with projects that are relevant for them. In my view, at this point, it should not be mandatory, as this has been raised a couple of times, so I would not want to force a chapter to give money to a project. Uh, the second thing I wanted to mention is, actually last year we did um, tailor the information about the existing budgets that we sent to all the chapter leaders, and with a list of also opportunities how to spend it. Because uh, in the past, like uh, two years ago, um, most of the chapter leaders didn't really know how much funding they had or how to spend it. And by providing more information about this, I think we can get a better traction with the chapters on using these funds for projects and so on. Tobias, I want to stay with you on this one because it's kind of one of my pet peeves. We've heard through the email list that it's very simple to get funding and the process is very simple. And yet people are finding it difficult to do. There seems to be a dichotomy there between what's perceived and what's actually happening. Honestly, every time I've heard it's difficult, when I kind of went back and said, yeah, did you ask uh, Paul or our operations team for the funding? Uh, I heard some maybe not, or maybe not to the same, full degree. 
Um, and when I talk with our operations team, I always get back, yeah, sure, we have budget, just come and make submit your proposal. There are limits into how much you can get from a budget with one request, which I think is a fair point uh, to allow us to distribute the funds uh, across the different projects and initiatives you want to do. But technically, I still believe it's very easy. I think the knowledge on how to do it is maybe not widely distributed or people may not have the courage or, or kind of just the guts to do it. It's like sometimes you need to push people to ask for the money uh, and that, that might be a perception thing. But I think with our two new um, operations team uh, members, uh, Noreen and Claudia, I think we can make this more easy for the chapters and for the projects to use the money. So I, I would add that I think that services need to be provided to the community for both chapters and projects. If you look at the balance sheet that was pushed out in July 2015, you'll notice that at $3.2 million in expenditures, um, you know, with a, a goal of $158,000 in profit for the year, um, the, the line items are very, very detailed as to where money goes. And I think a lot of people get caught up in the conversation around requesting for funding. And if they need assistance on anything, it's not difficult to obtain it. I think Tobias is absolutely correct that there's a lot of um, noise sometimes on email threads of people aren't helping me when they don't raise their hand or follow the established process that is for requesting funding. There's $60,000, $70,000 that's currently in the budget today that has not been used by the community. So, if you're listening to this podcast, take action, challenge me, spend it. Tom, I, the problem, I don't think, is that people don't know that there are funds. It's that the established process itself is not simple enough or transparent enough for the average person from the community to go in and ask for funding. In, in response to that, on behalf of the foundation, and again, I'm not on the board, so I'll, I'll defer to those that are. But if, Mark, if you're asking for a big, shiny red button on the front page that says press this to, to read the instructions on how to request money from OWASP, then that's something they should do. So, so I hear you, Mark, and I, I think maybe we can make it more prominent. But this message, as part of this podcast, my message would be, if you want money, send an email to our operations team. And that's basically the starts the process. That's the established process is to send an email? Then they ask you, <laughs> what do you want the money for? And that's basically it. You start this, if you're not sure what you want to do, if you don't know, if you're too, too bored to read the funding page, you just send an email uh, to either your chapter or chapter manager, you have the community, to or to the project OWASP manager that we have, with your and host, ask Mark them. And you say, I need OWASP money, please help. And is they will answer by the open web application and they will guide you through the process. So even if you don't want to read this stuff, they will help and my perception support that I've seen and that people talk to me personally supporting is millions that of there is not a step-by-step -step process that they can find in order to request funding. So Mark, in response to that, again, serving for many years, helping form this organization and build it, I would say there's two things that typically happen, right? So Tobias's answer is a little, little sort of all over the place. I would say that if you're starting a project, when you fill out the project application form, which is on the right-hand side of the OWASP wiki page, halfway down, 
you can request in detail what sort of funding you need for your product. It's very well defined. If you're looking for chapter assistance, you need to read the chapter handbook. And again, well defined. If, you, if, if either one of those two things cannot be followed, then I'm, I'm sorry, then you probably won't get funding. Uh, but you also have one last opportunity, which is to use the Contact Us page on the LWASP webpage to do exactly what Tobias said, which was ask a general question, which will be routed to the community managers and the project managers to review your request and then interface or work with you. Um, I, I have no um, qualms about it. In, in the, the New York and New Jersey chapter, as example, if somebody needs assistance in anything, they raise their hand in the chapter meeting, they have the floor, they ask for money, they say, we're trying to do X, Y, and Z, isn't this a good idea? And then the 200 plus people in the room decide as a community, that's a really good idea, or no, that's a really silly idea. And collectively, if people say, yeah, we should do this, by show of hands, boom, we move money, and people get funded. It's that simple. Milton, what's your perception of the funding process? Well, you know, I... Uh from what I'm hearing from those in the know here that, you know, the, the vehicles are available to accomplish what we need to. But, uh, you know, it sounds like there's a lot of people that just don't understand. So I think, uh, you know, the disconnect here is education. They, you know, need some information. Uh, and there are information sources out there. But I think perhaps we just need to be a little bit more aggressive in, uh, in getting that to them. And I know um, in the past at like OWASP conferences, we've, uh, you know, had things for chapter leaders and, you know, maybe we just need to keep, uh, uh, you know, be a little bit more aggressive about uh, how you get funding and how you can go about doing the things that you want to do and uh, just, you know, communicate more. If, if I may add to this, um, in the past, we have not communicated this um, enough. I can imagine, I, I think so. And this is why we hired our community manager Noreen and uh, Claudia for our project. And especially Noreen has been quite active reaching out to all the chapter leaders, trying to explain, uh, explaining how to uh, access funding, how to spend the money in the budgets. And I think this is working. So we are increasing the communication. It just takes some time to reach the broader community in total because we have over 230 chapters and a lot of projects. So I would add, I think, I think board members have a, a responsibility to any organization they serve, especially in a nonprofit, to be one of the leading and driving forces of raising capital and raising funds and membership, etc., for the organization. I've personally been responsible for raising over $2.5 million for OWASP Foundation since 2007. And in 2008, and again in 2013, raising you know, lots and lots of money for the organization to be able to have initiatives and be able to go ahead like summits and staff. So I think that if you follow the, the guidance of any business practice, which is define clearly what you're trying to accomplish, grow support from the, from the base of people that are going to support it, uh, OWASP is one of those great organizations that it's grassroots. There's no magic ivory tower, and that's what we're trying to explain to folks. Um, you know, a lot of transparency is there financially, uh, and again, we, we keep going back to finances, where I think we should focus on the community efforts of volunteers to help build software, build software more securely, because that's truly the focus of why I waste my time with OWASP, right? Why I waste my time, meaning give my time to OWASP as a volunteer. I don't get paid, nor does anybody else that's uh, in a volunteer role. 
Yeah. And actually, maybe building on what Tom said, I think it's not only the chapter leaders who raise the money during these conferences and other activities. I think it's the hundreds of volunteers who work together to raise that money as a global community. So I, I admire the leadership by Tom and, and many others, but I also like to congratulate and thank especially all the volunteers that stand behind our chapter leaders in making these conferences happen and in helping us bring this funding into our organization. Because I think it's a community effort, not only uh, individual people bringing in the money. So, Tobias, do you think that that lends a, lends a discussion then around the uh, legal structure of, based on the IRF guidance of 501c3 versus the 501c6, where that a 501c6 is defined as operated to promote a common business interest and to improve business conditions in an industry. So that would kind of speak directly to software security, right? Again, operate to promote a common business interest and to improve business conditions in an industry. That's that's the C6. That's what we are not. What we are is a 501c3, and a 501c3 is operate exclusively for charitable, education, religious, literary, or scientific purposes. So I, I would also like to say that I think OWASP needs to decide if they want to change themselves to become a trade association to assist and embrace sponsors like was mentioned before so that they can truly be recognized as a trade association because that's not what the organization is structured as today legally. Yeah, you know, Tom, I'd like to speak to that. Um, I think you hit the nail right on the head there. You know, I think that there's certain aspects of being a trade organization and, you know, forming more alliances with business and, and governments. Uh, governments want to be closer to security. I think it would benefit us a lot. Now, I don't think that that is interesting to most technical members, but I think we have a duty to our members that are having a trouble uh, you know, getting funding from within their own infra, uh, within their own organization or having security, uh, that might not necessarily be a priority for that business. We have a duty to make it easier for those members that are trying to bring security into their organization. I, I would agree. And, and, and I would support a motion to move the organization to a 501c6. But keep in mind, as we all know, this is a global organization. So what we care about in the U.S. pertaining to tax law, other organizations and other, quite frankly, countries around the world care less. But since we are based in the U.S. and we're under U.S. IRS tax law and board of directors have a responsibility under the current tax code, uh, whether they be abroad or in the U.S., to have a responsibility for the organization, it's critically important that all board members have a sufficient knowledge of the actual uh, 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 processes behind the, the non-profit status. Yeah, actually, the, the processes are not too difficult. Um, I read a little bit about it uh, as well. So, as is my responsibility as a member of the board, of, of course. Um, in my view, I think we can operate in both formats. Before changing, I would definitely wish us to consult the community as towards uh, whether this is the direction they want to go, because I think this would shift some of our activities and maybe also the, the feel of the community and what we do. 
So I would rather not want us as a board to decide this alone, but uh, like to see the community from a bottom-up process to say, yes, we want to go in this direction and have a discussion about this before we make such a change. Well, keep in mind, but otherwise I'm open to that. Well, keep in mind, Tobias, that that's exactly what this is, right? This is a candidacy with debate or discussion. And by proxy, the membership will vote in the people that they are looking for to lead the organization down the path that they want it to go. So a path of affirmative to vote for Tobias are you saying that you are going to lobby to move to a 501c6 if you're elected? That's what I am saying, is that if I'm elected, I'm going to move a motion to move the organization to a 501c6. My strategy would be first to ask the community and then move in the direction the community wants to go. And I would not what direction put myself into... Frankly, I believe in both ways we can achieve our goal. So it's whether the car is red or blue. And I think we can achieve our goals in both cases. In both cases, the car will drive. I don't care so much whether we are uh, one or the other at this stage, because I believe both systems will allow us to achieve our goal. And if the community wants to go in one direction, I will follow that. I see myself as a servant in community. One of the issues that happens with this type of discussion here is that we're talking about community. And in theory, we've got 44,000 people plus in the community. And yet only maybe 2,000 are participating. If we make these broad decisions like this that affect the entire community with only a small percentage of them participating in the discussion, does that really represent the community? Tobias, I'll start with you on that. It is not... Uh, satisfactory to only ask 2,000 when you have 40,000 people participating. We are, we have an open platform where people could contribute uh, in the discussion, that is the community list. Um, having said that, it's not strong enough, by far not. And also, it's probably not possible to uh, manage or facilitate a discussion of 40,000 people. However, I think any number of people involved in the discussion is better than just the discussion by the board. So if it's 2,000, I will be more than happy compared to if just seven board members sit down and make a decision alone. Milton, how would you get more people to participate in this type of discussion? 44,000 versus 2,000. You know, I think it's challenging. You know, we all tend to engage on the things that interest us most. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm really with Tom on this and that um, I, I think that, you know, there's things that we can do for the health of this organization and to help our members uh, that do not necessarily, um, aren't necessarily interesting to them. Uh, and, but that doesn't mean that they can't be involved. We would love them to be involved. Uh, involved even more, uh, but I think that we need to be we need to be working on our grassroots, regardless of what type of organization we are. We need to be educating developers. Uh, we need to be getting the word out there on security, like we have been doing very successfully. We need to be, uh, you know, working on our projects more and all those things. I, I don't think either I or Tom, I'm guessing, is is not saying that that should change. Uh, but what we're saying is. Um, you know, there's other things that we need to do. We, you know, we will not improve security or we won't solve security by 
educating more developers. We, we have to do other things, too, in order to make uh, the impact that we would desire to make. I, I believe strongly in the, in the Pareto principle. Uh, this is also known as the 80-20 rule, where that you know 20% of the individuals or 20% of the people are doing the actual work. Uh, in OWASP, I think that speaks very loudly. As of today, there's 2,246 members of the organization. I do not believe that there's 43,000 participants. I don't believe that that number actually exists. And if somebody could quantify that number, that would be interesting. And I'd like to have that transparently pushed forward to the community. The idea here is that if you look at the projects that are associated with the 2,246 individuals that are both PE as well as honorary members, 20% of those people are the ones that are actually your project leaders. So the numbers are very, very small in this community. And as we all know, many of the OWASP products are led by individuals. And then there's, you know, then there's individuals that get involved to assist, but they're, they're usually driven by somebody who has a lot of passion for a particular area that they want to focus on. So to rewind, I think the answer is simple. I think we need to look at it from a business context. I think we need to look at saying, how do we actually affect our overall global mission? And to do that, we need to focus on the big picture. And this may be some adjustments to the trade association platform. This may be some inclusion of working with other groups. I point out organizations like SafeCode uh, and others that are out there that are doing great things. You want to bring these organizations into the, the fold and, and be able to stop the duplication, work on things that are unique to what we focus on, and allow other organizations to focus on what they do. Again, people like SafeCode, Centers for Internet Security, there's lots of great groups out there doing great things. We need to stop the overlap to be more strategic in what we're focused on. Milton, that brings up an interesting idea. What's your thoughts on working with other organizations towards our mission? Yeah, I like that a lot. You know, I think um, that's that's the way you get things done these days. Uh, you know, we, we got to where we are by leaning on each other's shoulders as members. There's opportunity to, you know, to take that race even farther here. And, uh, and to do that, uh, I think we need to form, you know, smart relationships and, uh, you know, as long as, like I had mentioned before, we can uh, maintain our, you know, integrity and our transparency, I think that would be a great thing to explore. Uh, Tobias, from a European perspective where you are, how would that play out? Actually, I don't think this is uh, so different compared to which region you are. And by the way, I, I see myself as half European or half Asian in that regard. So... In the end, I, I agree with Milton that uh, we can need to reach out to other organizations and uh, companies for this. Yes, I, I see very little difference where you are, whether this is in the States or Asia. Tom, I know you believe in the idea because you're doing it here in New York. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean OWASP Foundation is a, is a not a democracy, right? It's a do-it-cracy, it, do meaning, in other words, if you want it, do it. And since we're volunteers, a lot of these efforts are people's personal passions for whatever reason. Some folks are really interested in training because that's the thing they love to do. Others are interested in technology because it's good in the, you know, in the healthcare field or they want to save the world. And that's great. So whatever, the, whatever you can tap into that the individual has passion for, those are the type of people that are going to be your top 20%. And that's the sort of celebration we want to have by bringing people together as much as possible to allow that energy to happen. AppSec USA, as an example, should be a collaboration of community members 
for the benefit of growth of the organization. It's a fundraiser, I get it, but more importantly, it needs to be a summit-like experience that raises the energy of the organization the way we've done before. Uh, and, I'll, and I'll go back to summits that we've you know, helped fund and, and driven in the past. Uh, I'd like to see our conferences, quote-unquote, not only be a fundraiser, but also be a summit, similar to what I did in, in AppSec USA in 2013 in New York City. Milton, we've been concentrating a lot in this discussion on funding. Uh, from the perspective of you who hasn't been on the board yet, what's your next biggest topic that you would tackle uh, when you came on board? Well, I think, uh, yeah, for sure the funding is, uh, and, and like issues are very important to the health of the organization, which we need a healthy work to achieve our goals. I think people are more interested in, you know, how we help them on their job. You know, and I, I, and I think that's the stuff I'm more interested in. And uh, so I, I think we need to be looking at, you know, what we're doing with our conferences, maybe, you know, start up, uh, you know, try to, you know, one of the things that I've done here, so I also do, uh, in my job for Oracle here, I've helped to uh, establish security as a, as a formal track at their Java One Software Developers Conference in San Francisco. And, uh, you know, within, uh, we're going on our third year here of having a full on security track at a dev conference. And it's, uh, it's a hit. It's actually like the number three, you know, track at the conference. And so developers are, you know, really interested in, in, you know, in security and how they can be more secure. So I think we have to try to blur that line between what a security practitioner is and what a developer is. And we have to, we, the sooner we can do that, I think the better off we're going to be. And I think to do that, we have to move uh, our presence closer to where developers go. Many of these developers will go to a Java, uh, Java 1, they'll go to DevOps uh, and different developer conferences. They probably love to go to a security conference, but it's just not in their priority. They see that as something extra and they might not get funding for it. So. So we need to get closer to them. So I think focusing on them, their needs, and also their interests. It's different to uh, work directly with developers and architects as opposed to security practitioners. Uh, the way you teach the sessions are different, what their interests are. But I think uh, you know the opportunity to make an impact is, is huge. So I, th I think we need to be you know taking a look at, at how we can do that, and as well as uh, exploring you know relationships with. Uh, you know, other partners uh, and, and how we can, you know, make, uh, move closer to our goals, you know, industry and governments. Tobias, from your perspective on the current board, what's the biggest issue that you see needs to be tackled now, other than the funding one that we just talked about? We have quite some money in our coffers at the moment. Um, more, we have more the challenge to spend it. Uh, even though this might sound weird. Um, so, of course, we can use more money to do more things, but um, our financial position at this moment is actually very good. Um, the last year, we focused a lot on increasing the energy. For example, we uh, increased the number of active chapters uh, dramatically over the last year, and uh, we also... Uh, I would say matured our operations team. Uh, we hired a, a new executive director, uh, we built up the staff and uh, added new capabilities to our team. So I think in this, 
in this area, we are doing quite well. Where I see uh, need to grow further or to get better is um, we need to reach out more towards industry and new communities. So with this, I very much agree with Milton um, that we need to go into this direction. We also set this as one of our strategic goals, but I think this will take actually one or two years for us to achieve because it's really a big goal. And the second thing I would like to increase is uh, accountability. I think my colleagues here on the call also mentioned this before. And I think uh, accountability is about uh, say what you're going to do, then do it, and then uh, we, we check later whether you actually did what you said. And uh, sometimes we are very good with uh, getting some new ideas, and then maybe we start, but maybe we don't finish or we don't come to a completion with what we wanted to do. And uh, that is something maybe we as a community can get better. And also on the board, I think that is one of the responsibilities of the board to hold ourselves accountable. Tom, what's the big issue for you? What's the thing that you want to tackle the most? I'd like to look back to the 2015 strategic goals. And there's only three of them. The first one was to build a scalable OWASP training program that spreads security training around the world, right? So that needs to be measured. And I think that's a great opportunity to evangelize the mission for software security. The second one, strengthen OWASP chapters and increase chapters' abilities to spread the message. Hence, programs for the chapters to get off the ground so they can process and know how to use funding and they can use what resources are there, even though there's only a few, a handful of employees, what their job is in supporting those chapters. And then lastly, mature the OWASP uh, projects platform. Again, providing some gamification to the system to allow uh, people that are going to contribute to the OWASP community to actually be recognized in such a way that would be useful to them to help raise visibility for their pet project. So all three of these strategic goals I highly support, and these same strategic goals are what the focus needs to be from the board. What I'd like to see the board stop doing is wasting time with the 300 emails about people's uh, you know, miscellaneous items that are insignificant. I'd like to see the board physically get together once a, uh, you know, once a quarter, uh, perhaps at AppSec USA or AppSec at EU, at a minimum, face-to-face, -face, where that a requirement should be like any corporation, to do a little bit of off-site and team building, where they can focus on their core issues. Spending an hour on a conference call is not a board meeting. That's a touch point or a, or a milestone. So I'd like to see the board actually work together to be more useful and plug into the community than trying to um, uh, trying to say how things should work uh, in a very short amount of time with limited access to the people on the ground. I've been talking with Milton Smith, Tobias Gundrum, and Tom Brennan about their candidacy for the OWASP board. Thank you, gentlemen, for all your time today and for your contributions to the organization.